Hey yo, mic check, mic check, check it out one time, testing. I'm such a fucking idiot. Welcome to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast with me, Yannick, talking about Chelsea, funnily enough. Uh, today, I'm uh, so super glad to have you all with me, returning listeners and new ones as well. Uh, I'm going to be looking at the victory at Stamford Bridge against Bournemouth. 2-0, a great game. In the end, a difficult victory. Uh, loads of talking points to get through it. Obviously, it's the international break now as well, so there's nothing to preview because I think I might do a sort of mid-international break uh, podcast to look ahead at the game then. But other than that, I'm going to be answering all your questions and talking all things Chelsea. Let's go. <laughs> Okay, party people, let's get into it. Um, starting with the lineup, once again, we had Ariza Balaga between the sticks, the familiar back four of Azpilicueta, Rudica, David Luiz, and Alonso. Our midfield three of Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, with our front three of Willian, Morata, and Hazard. Substitute appearances, um, most importantly from Pedro and Giroud, which we will get onto, and our boy, the academy lad Loftus Cheek, made an appearance. And, um, yeah, a few talking points from that as well. A 2-0 win for us. Now, I actually went on Love Sport Radio to talk about this game. I did an eight-minute, eight-nine-minute segment on a sort of breakdown and analysis of the game. Um, if you're interested in listening to that, it's, it's, you know, it's quite a good listen. I've posted it on my Twitter, at Chelsea Yannick, and I have a little chat with the boys from The, the Score about the game. Now, I mentioned this on the radio show, but um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the pod, but for a little bit of pre-match context, uh, Bournemouth manager Eddie Howe and Mauricio Sarri do have previous. There's a little bit of um, a previous experience of each other there. Eddie Howe actually went to go and visit Sarri's Empoli team in Italy a few years back for a few days to study his sort of play style, his coaching, and generally sort of be a student, which is actually testament to Eddie Howe for him to go out there and uh, you know while he's a young coach learn about some exotic football I mean I'll tell you something Sam Allardyce at the time didn't know about bloody Sari's Empoli team um, I think they must have been the top tier by then but regardless it wasn't like a glamorous well-known coach um, side and a coach so he actually saw that out he went to go and hang out with Uncle Sari and learnt a lot. And um, I think also Bournemouth played his Napoli team in pre-season, maybe like a year or so ago. So they know each other. It's very much a sort of um, student-master kind of uh, kind of vibe going on between them. But I got a lot of respect for Eddie Howe. He tried to play open, expansive football with what he's got. And they've certainly had some great results. Not least the 3-0 against us last season, um, which was a difficult one to digest at the time and that was in the back of probably everyone's head before this fixture so yeah a little bit of previous from the gaffers there um if you look at the statistics and you look at how the game ran out they were a compact tight block but they showed more ambition to the, uh, than that it wasn't like the Newcastle game when they had no um no intent of going out and attacking really in case it was unless it was like a very specific situation Bournemouth wanted to play. Bournemouth wanted to attack. They've got good players that can do so. They've got young, pacey players, like quite good technical players. You know, they've got like uh, Wilson and King and Frazier, uh, a few people, even like, you know, ex-boy Aki, he gets forward on set pieces and stuff. So, you know, they have a crack when they can. Um, it's important to note as well, the first few minutes, maybe the first five minutes or up to, 
Bournemouth jumped on Chelsea. I think they tried to maybe slam an early goal, uh, rattle us before we settle and, um, you know, take advantage of the spaces we might leave initially in our style of football before we settled. Uh, they did have a little crack, but once they couldn't, um, I don't know, get anything in fruition from the early attack, they then settled into their sort of game plan, I guess, their tactics, which did become a bit of a narrow block. But again, even throughout, when we dominated possession, we had most combinations, passes and attempts, it's still, I don't think it was due to a whole lack of ambition from Bournemouth, just to set the sort of context of the game. Um... And but I think there's also the psychology of knowing Bournemouth can be dangerous, that you sort of give them a little bit more credit than this sort of ultra-defensive block. Now, for the 60-70-odd minutes, whenever it was, that there were no goals, it was actually an incredibly entertaining game. Like, um, there was, like I said, there was loads of great combinations from Chelsea, there was some fast play, there was a few breaks from Bournemouth that seemed dangerous. Um, it was quite a, a good spectacle to watch, you know? It wasn't just attack versus defence, but there was a little sort of bit of that. But in an entertaining sense, it was, a, I imagine, for the neutral, an interesting watch. And certainly for a Chelsea fan, an exciting watch that soon became a sort of nervous, frustrating watch. Or certainly, yeah, a bit of a nervous watch. Um, we had our full strength lineup, So we had, you know, the Kovacic and uh, Hazard starting. And what we thought, you know, I was a fool to... But I say, fool to take Aguero out, he didn't score, but I've put Morata in for Aguero in my fantasy football, thinking, you know, he's at home, he has scored a goal this season, he looks good at times. Um, I, you know, I've sort of betting with my heart a little bit there, hoping Morata would score. And he didn't. Um, I don't think he had a terrible game, it's just very difficult. He's just, it's the, the finishing is, you know, a confidence player thing. I am interested to see how Morata does against a team that isn't going to defend so compactly like Newcastle and in most of stages Bournemouth did uh, it's it's I don't want to judge him just yet because obviously Giroud, I'm going to come on to Giroud but he came on and was very effective in that type of style and that isn't Sarri's you know initial inclination or way he wants to play so anyway no goals um, first substitution, it, um, I think it was the first substitution, yeah, I think it is, um, Pedro comes on for Willian, now Willian wasn't great this game, um, I can see generally, I think we can all see why Sari wants to play Willian, gen in terms of what he's got ability-wise as a player, but Pedro is a quintessential Sari player, so he will eventually just win that starting place, because he's just everything Sari wants in terms of combination, making those darting runs and actually finishing. Pedro's our best finisher at the moment. You know, let that sink in when, when all you guys were having a go at him signing a one-year contract extension. So, yeah, so Pedro comes on, scores a nice goal, he does the business, and we have seen him do that a lot, Pedro, in that instance as well, when we need a goal from not nothing because we're, um, you know, we're knocking on the door all, the, all bloody game, but... He does it, you know, Pedro scores a wicked goal and then that changes Bournemouth's dynamic and makeup of the game slightly. Important to note also, Juru came on uh, just a few minutes, I think 10 minutes before him. Uh, oh, not even, four minutes before, before him. So it was kind of like a, a quick succession of substitutes in that sense. And they combine and, you know, I think I think Juru knocks it down for um, Pedro and gets in the goal. He's, he was integral to the goal anyway and, and just the change of play generally. And, you know, that that's it. So... Kovacic comes off. I think he's not completely match fit yet. I think uh, 
systematically. Sorry, likes to start him, but he he does get knackered. So you know, Loftus Cheek comes on. Um, I'm going to talk about player performances in a second. So one nil. Bournemouth have been shaken up a little bit and uh, a combination on the left-hand side of the final third and Eden Hazard rifles in a pretty decent goal um, getting netting his second for the season Pedro's third by the way so yeah you know we get the win second on the table for the international break um, I think we've got a plus seven goal difference which is um, one less than Liverpool or something and we've scored like as many or one more goals in him so we're looking very offensive and cool and great and everything's great I know it wasn't the hardest of opposition we've had quite a a blessed run in terms of early fixtures and we'll know a lot more about this side as the days or rather weeks go by so let's get into some performances then I think Ariza Balaga was um, pretty good he might have made a save um, again he hasn't been tested I said this on the radio on that Love Sport clip I, I referenced that I, I tweeted about it's it's good that he had four games where he wasn't scrutinised. It really helped him out how Alisson Becker did the absolute howler for Liverpool to concede their first league goal of the season. Um, all those kind of things, it keeps the heat off our little goal kepper. So yeah, I mean, he's sort of been going under the radar quite nicely, which suits him well. As Puliqueta was decent, um, I... I know he sort of tucks in a little bit more, but I'd like to see him advancing just a little bit more, getting involved and maybe finally getting that ball on Morata's head again like he used to. Not sure that's sorry ball style, but if it's an option, then he should certainly pull it out the bag. Uh, Rudy, very good. Um, always pleased with Rudiger. He's looking better and better and he's settling in and he's a proper team player and has leadership qualities, so I don't want to say too much about Rudiger. Uh, David Luiz, a player that splits opinion. Um... He's obviously Sarri's boy, he's a good baller, he does make, he, he does the odd situation where you think, oh god, that he's just got a mistake in, in him, whether that will go, I mean, one would imagine that, that that won't go, because the dude's in his 30s now, but remember what Sarri did as a centre-back coach to Koulibaly, I don't want to keep going back on that, but it was like, Koulibaly had similar issues, and now he's like, the best centre-back in Europe, so... David Luiz has done some amazing stuff at centre-back. He's got some excellent world-class qualities. So if Sarri wants to keep him there, then, you know, I'm backing him. And if it does fuck up, then we've got an excellent centre-back in Christensen that can come in. So let's not lose our shit over David Luiz, ladies and gentlemen, and let's see how it goes. Um, another guy who's split opinion, who's probably splitting less opinions, <laughs> is Marcus Alonso. Um, dude, the yeah, offensive numbers, absolutely crazy. Hasn't made um, his weaknesses in defence transparently clear. And um, we know he's a bit slow and he's not great in the tackle, this, that and the other. But maybe, um, like I said before, with positional training and general coaching under Sarri, he might get better defensively. And we've looked all right. I mean, we'll have to wait until we come against a really um, powerful or like a, a right-hand side heavy attack opponent and see how he deals with that. But he's just been excellent. Um, Sorry, did say in his press conference he thinks he's the best left back in Europe. Or then maybe went back on himself a little bit and says if he improves defensively, he will be the best left back in Europe. If he improves defensively, get him in the conversation because that was our, that was our like 
all of our um, concerns, but he's, he's, lo- he's looking better regardless. I mean, we all knew offensively he's incredibly good, but his combinations are looking very good. And he has the mind of a fucking striker, man. He's popping up in the box, making those late-timed runs, just getting it, whether he's like, you know, smashing a volley with his, le- with his left foot or he's getting his head on it, or he's making these, like, you know, Lampard-esque or just like a decent striker late runs and just floating into the box, splitting defenders and getting his foot on the end of the ball and scoring a goal. You know, that's what we've needed in our striker. Play him at number nine. Anyway, excellent in terms of uh, all those happenings with Alonso. Very happy with him. Let's see how it goes. I think Emerson will get his chance and we could probably have a look up and down and see see what we think. But, you know, it's looking good at how it started, but let's not get too carried away. World Cup winner N'Golo Kante. He was also, well, he's been a big talking point recently as well due to his positional change. Are we wasting his qualities? And as time goes by, I'm going to say no. He is making interceptions just further up the pitch, and that's what Sari wants in his style of football. He wants high uh, high press and possession high up the field. And uh, if we lose possession high up the field, we can get it back high up the field with Kante. And he still made that recovery. don't know if you guys remember if you watched the game. He made a recovery where he used to, like right down the pitch. So he is everywhere still. He can still do that. And if he's doing it everywhere, then he can only get better in this position. He does make good combinations. He is very good on the ball. You have to be an incredibly cerebral player to go back and make those interceptions that we've seen him do. And that can be, you know, transferred and attributed to these forward combinations and um, how he protects and holds the ball and how he is in possession. Excuse me. So yeah, Kante, great, going to get better. Uh, Jorginho, he was good. I think he's also going to become a sort of what Kante was in the previous two seasons. Because he's so good at what he does, we're not going to talk about him much because he's such an integral sort of cog. And um, unless he scores like a worldie or he does some really significant long passes that are absolute peaches, then, um, you know, it'll be he'll be not... He just won't be so highlighted, but... <clears throat> Excuse me. Excellent again. So very pleased with Jorginho. Kovacic, yeah, very, very good. I mean, you know, commentators are starting to come out of the woodwork now and pundits going, oh, yeah, he looks very good, actually, Um, which is true. We've all known that for a few games now, watching him. Uh, He nearly scored a goal once or twice, I think, so I think he will get on the score sheet a few times this season. And apart from maybe full match fitness, um, very good. Uh, Willian, disappointing, really. He's good at carrying the ball at the pitch, doing a bit of dribbling, but uh, he wasn't that bad. But you just want that sort of killer contribution from Willian that we're not getting. Um, he's a good squad player, but it, it's more of the same for Willian for us. Um, and yeah, I'll talk about that position a bit later. And um, Morata. Now, yeah, he, like I said before previously, I um, want to see him against a more open opponent and see if he can get on the end of those goals. Sorry, does rate his qualities, but it wasn't great in this game. He will be frustrated with himself. Even maybe, you know, while the whole team's learning, if he's not missing, like, absolute sitters like we see Lukaku do on the regs, you know, he's not, like, the ball's not bouncing off his foot when he should be tapping it in, or he's not missing open goals. He is constantly moving and drawing the spaces, so he's playing the system well. We know he's a very technically gifted footballer. We just need to see it coached into play at Chelsea Football Club. Um, So we'll wait and see with Morata. 
if he scores 15 goals this season, I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? So we'll have to see. I'll talk about strikers a bit later. Um, before I get onto the substitutes, Eden Hazard, our man of the match again. Sublime. This football suits him down to a T. He's loving it. He's, um, it looks like he's got an absolutely free roll wherever he goes in terms of his heat map. And he's having fun. I think as this settles more and more and more, Eden Hazard's going to love the sorry ball system. Whether that'll be enough for him to stay at the end of the season and sign another contract. You know, only he knows that. This is old man that keeps saying, oh, he just really wants to go to Real Madrid. Let him go to Real Madrid, but we'll have to see. It's going to be up to Eden in the end, and we'll have to see. Regardless, even if he does go, it looks like his last season at Chelsea will be an incredibly fun one, and he can reflect positively, but we'll have to see. Um, Giroud came on 61 minutes for Morata. He really is that quintessential change-the-whole-team-dynamic striker, isn't he? Like, you could, you if certain managers, including Didier Deschamps for France, if you said Giroud can do this, but he's a striker that will never score a goal, ever, you'd still probably play him, because what he offers, um, he does, it's a bit rare him scoring goals now, I know he got a decent handful last season, but um, he does just change the game, especially in this sort of like Newcastle, Bournemouth game towards the end when there is that compact block. He just gets in. I think he won two headers in like the first two or three minutes and he just gets amongst it. Not phased at all and it's just brilliant. It changes everything. It literally changes everything. So although I said this on Love Sport Radio as well, Giroud is not the type of striker that Sari wants to play with in terms of systematically how everything worked. The fast pace, fast passing. We know Giroud's good at combinations at times or layoffs. You know, layoffs to the wingers. But he wants... He's not the sort of build of striker that he wants, but I think there'll be compromise in the Premier League because he'll be looking at games like Newcastle and thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to, you know, use Giroud and put him in. So, yeah, Giroud did change the game. Um, he's, a, he's a great asset to Chelsea. I'm glad how he's useful. And he didn't just, you know, play for six months and fade away. The move was good for him. He'll be happy to be at Chelsea. And, um, yeah, it's very, very good. Um, hopefully he does get a few goals, but I think when this, this striker situation settles a bit more, we will see Giroud less and less. Maybe he knows that. Pedro came on for Willian at 65 minutes, and uh, was much better than Willian. Like I've said before, and I'll say again, um, Pedro is more of a sorry player, uh, and he's just a better finisher. He He just wants to shoot all the time, which... <laughs> We need more of our players. Actually, we did take a lot of shots. That's unfair. But, you know, he you see, in comparison to Willian, he takes on shots all the time. And, uh, yeah, he got his goal. It was a great goal. He's just really pokey. He moves about. Difficult to say that maybe is it because he came on that he had this energy because we've known Pedro to come on and score goals. And similarly to Giroud, like, Giroud comes in and makes a nuisance of himself. Like, And he's been dubbed the super sub of the Premier League, Giroud. And, um, you know, players don't want to be the super sub. But if it suits them coming in, it's the kind of players that um, don't need time to catch up with the rhythm of the game. That's what makes you a super sub. Because a lot of amazing players, if they start on the bench, if they don't have the game to sort of pick up the context and the feel and the sort of narrative of the game and just the physical, you know, catch up, then they never get into the game. But there's players like Giroud and Pedro that... I don't need that straight in and, and it all better for them for being straight in and using their more sharpness and energy levels uh, that's all prevalent over the others and they can sort of um, 
you know, and they can succeed through that, through those um, benefits. So, yeah, anyway, Pedro, very, very good. Um, probably start the more important games, and he will probably be the preference for the right wing. Moving forwards for Uncle Sari. Rubes came on at 79 minutes. So we didn't know what was going on for Ruben, if he was going to, like, maybe play a few cup games. Um, the fact that he came on instead of a... Yeah, instead of Barkley. Barkley was on the bench, and I thought he was, like, Sari's boy. Maybe still is. Maybe he just wanted to try off this cheat. Because um, pre, pre-match, pre uh, Sari made some interesting comments that I tweeted about. Um, how he thinks Loftus-Cheek is very good. Uh, very good offensively, but not so great defensively and tactically, essentially. Loftus-Cheek came on. He did do some good forward runs. He demonstrated his ability that we all know very well about. You know, the, the hold-up, the, the ball-carrying... Um, quite good knowing where his teammates are moving forward and then he also like conceded possession in front of our goal like near the end in like the 10 11 minutes that he was on for uh demonstrating what sorry said about lacking in defensive and tactical knowledge so you know it might be a bit unfair to judge him like that because he only came on for like 10 odd minutes but we'll have to see good sign generally to see him come on um, hopefully we'll see more and more of him and, and doing bits because he is a, such a presence. If he can keep sharp and keep the combinations quick, which I think he can, then the rest can be coached, right? Defensive stuff, tactical stuff in our in our third, like keeping in shape when we're not just constantly doing a fast passing um, system. If he can do that, then boy might be in. So yeah, I mean, that was the game. We won 2-0. It was solid. It was good not to concede. That's two out of four. Excuse me, two clean sheets out of four games with a new keeper and a new system against a team that can score, like Bournemouth as well. And uh, I'm very pleased. Four out of four wins, guys. That is a good start. Now I don't think anyone should get overexcited about that start because again, the opposition was kind and the run was kind, and we could have easily lost that game to Arsenal. And you know, anything could happen against that new, against Newcastle in that game. But we are joint top of the table with Liverpool and Watford. What the fuck? Let's move on. Okay, so no um, match preview today, guys, because it's the international break. Um, Whether I'll be doing a podcast next week or not, I'm not sure. I'll speak to some guys uh, on Twitter, see what you guys think. And um, we could do like a questions podcast in a week's time or see what's happening with the Chelsea squad around the um, world in international games, see what's happening. And that might be fun, so I'll look at doing that maybe. In the meantime, let's answer some questions. Um, I've got a decent handful. I'm looking at them now. All right, Abdul Latif, he asked me, I want to know Kovacic's situation. Can we be assured of signing him even if he performs to the world, I think um, that means if he plays really well, can we be assured that we're going to keep him? Uh, no, no, we can't. Um, we don't know what's happening at all. I think Real Madrid rate him very highly and they like um, Matteo Kovacic, but, um, you know, he does look like he's having fun at Chelsea, but that doesn't mean one thing or another. Uh, hopefully he does perform well. And Chelsea want to purchase him um, because he is an incredibly good midfielder. I'm not. I'm trying not to get too attached because it is a loan deal, um, and it was to do with the Courtois deal. So you know he's warming the bench at the moment over at Real Madrid. So you know, I think uh, 
he's going to be nursed into the first slot. Why um, <clears throat> my friend quite appropriately called it Navas's farewell tour, which is probably the case. Um, yeah, so he was part of the um, Courtois deal, so I think they were reluctant to loan him. He wanted the game time. We probably, inverted commas, tapped him up, and he's like, yeah, I'll go. I'll go and do that for a little bit. Um, you know, and I think I talked about it on last week's pod, worst case scenario, both him and Eden Hazard go to Real Madrid next season. Let's not think about that. It's pretty horrible. Um, no assurances, but what we can do is we can hope he really enjoys himself, performs well, the chemistry is good, and he sort of digs his heels into Real Madrid and says, yeah, let me stay. And they know Chelsea's a rich club and they can make a pretty penny out of him. You know, maybe we give him like 50, 60 million pounds, which would be fine, I guess, for an investment if he's doing well and he's integrated. But no assurances, man, definitely not, not in this situation. There was no clear-cut obligation to buy or op- option to buy. So uh, we'll have to see, man. It's going to be a difficult one. Um, all right. Kirkamesh. Hey, man, how you doing? Um, he thinks we need a striker. Not convinced of Morata. Zero impact on the game. And we need a warrior to lead the line, which is a very Chelsea-esque style striker. Uh, Maxi Gomez would be a fantastic buy in, gen- in January. Um, I know what you mean. I think Sorry would want like a little, like a nimble nine, maybe a kind of like a Dries Mertensy. I know um, Iguain is not a little nimble. He's just a goal machine. It's weird because, uh, yes, Morata could be a problem. Let's not judge him completely yet. Let's see him pick up a few goals against different types of opposition, and he might grow confidence, and then. Sorry, might actually start Giroud against these other style, um, these other style defensive teams. Excuse me, where we need a bit more of a presence in the box. It is a difficult one, striker, because we are doing well and we're settling in, and it's too hard to judge just yet. I mean, he might do the whole Hazard and Pedro as the sort of little nimble nine as well. I think if he had his way, sorry, he would buy another striker. I think he's the club's been like, look, we've invested in Morata, and he's seen Morata play well for Juventus and maybe even Real Madrid, and gone, yeah, he's decent. I'll see if I can do something with him. But um, if you gave him his way, he might bring someone in. But for him to bring someone in, they'd have to be very, very good and very expensive because he is a decent coach, remember, and he likes to coach. And Morata is a player there to be coached. So it is a difficult one to answer that question, bro. Um. Yeah, Mishibashwai straight out on loan again. I actually thought he would have been perfect for this system, but there's um, a lot of rumours about Bashwai's football intelligence and how slow he is and um, picking things up and systematically. And that's why he goes to these um, teams that just need a just need a poacher, just need someone to get on the end of goals, which he does. An argument could be made that we need that at the moment, but. I don't know, we'll have to see. Regardless, Batshuayi going to pretty much, well, every single European league, bar Italy at the moment, is going to be incredibly good for his football development and culture. I have to see if it helps his football intelligence, but let's not forget about Michy Batshuayi. He's still young. He can come back incredibly experienced and be the Chelsea striker. I mean, maybe not. Maybe he'll just, you know, get all this experience, his stock will raise, and then we'll flog him for X amount. But I still have hope for him at the moment. Um, it could go either way. I can see us not buying a striker easily. 
but I wouldn't be overly be I wouldn't excuse me overly be surprised if we do. I don't think it's like a glaring um, problem due to everything still being early doors. Give it time, mate. If by January it is just more and more and more and more obvious about striker, then yeah, maybe. But if things keep going quite well and we're getting goals from elsewhere, then let's chill. All right, next question. Ryan asks me about a the right wing position. Are we going to regret passing up on Zaha or Bailey because um, they've since signed deals and obviously increased their value? And he thinks a right wing is needed. Um, you know, we had a little exchange on Twitter. I talked about how Pedro is doing very well, but then he alluded to it's the future investment element of it, which is indeed a talking point. Um, yeah, I think the clubs, the respected clubs, are always going to sign up their players to to get maximum return. That's almost by the by. Uh, I've, yes, I think eventually we will need a right wing. Um, we don't have anything there at the moment unless we, you know, try and pluck something from the academy. Um, I like the idea of maybe someone like a Dujon Sterling playing up on the right. But anyway, <clears throat> Sarri will probably want something if he does stay for a handful of years or maybe even just over two years. So yeah, I reckon we will be in for a right winger. Maybe um, in the summer, Leon Bailey would be an excellent choice. But we'll have a little look around. Um, remember, sorry again, I keep talking about how good a coach he is. But he might see something in a less Galactico level um, player. Um, Leon Bailey isn't top, top, top class sort of Galactico target. But he's a very highly um, thought of player. And he would be quite good. But um have to see because uh, something might come up in the meantime and there might be a different player that emerges, a young talent. But there isn't too much to say about this run. Then yes, due to age, we will need to recruit someone in the right wing position. But certainly for the moment, it's not dramatic because we have a very good um, player in Pedro that suits the role very well. And he's here for the transitional period in terms of changing philosophies and play style. So we'll have to see what the club thinks. Chelsea have actually got a very, very good scouting network. They're always looking at a load of players at once. And um, they'll, they'll be looking into this right now. So, yes, eventually. Um, and maybe even in the summer, dude. Provided what the club thinks. All right, David. Um, David Burks asked me, given our favourable draw in the Europa League and not so favourable one in the League Cup, would you still go full strength for Anfield and experimental in Europe? Um, yes, yes. Um, I I think you will go whole hog for Europa League. But that have you seen our group, dude? Like, how many of those teams do you watch on the regs? <laughs> he can definitely play an experimental side in the Europa League. I think I'm going to go to one of, the, one of the games or maybe a couple of the group games at Stamford Bridge and uh, watch what side he puts out. Um, yeah, I mean, he will probably play a full-strength side at Anfield, I imagine. Um, he would be so transparently, be so transparently throwing in the towel if he didn't, which might not be good. Well, it would be like, yeah, I'm sacking this, you know, this uh, competition off, guys, and this is me doing it, and it would probably get criticised for that, seeing as he's now managing a side as big as Chelsea FC and not, you know, all due respect to Napoli, he had every right to throw away different competitions and stuff, but at Chelsea he'll be expected to feel the full strength side, or a side that shows at least intent against Liverpool, because um, 
Liverpool might not feel the full strength side, but then again, Klopp needs to win a trophy, so maybe he will. Um, I don't think, yeah, it would be very silly for either, either club to like just play a completely weak inside. He can afford to do both is the answer to that question, David, because um, you know he can quite easily play Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, start Giroud, um, you know, play Willian in the Europa League game quite easily. You know, we've got Barkley and um, Fabregas to come back and different defenders and fullbacks, Emerson and Moses could probably play in the front three or right back. You know, we've got definitely a, a strong enough side to win that group B team all the way. So, yeah, I think um, definitely play a sort of second string but very strong side in the Europa League group stages and just have a crack at Anfield, man. You know, see what happens. It's probably the hardest away fixture in English football. Sod's law, but whatever. You know, we beat them or we don't move on. Um, it's not the most prestigious trophy and I'd much rather us win the Europa League or FA Cup over League Cup, dude. So that's answering your question. Uh, uh, maybe a Scandinavian name there. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I said that really strange. I don't even know what it means. But anyway, moving on. Are you worried that Chelsea might have a mid-season collapse like we did in the previous one? Uh, no, because the previous one was uh, problems internally in the club with Conte getting angry at the board, then sort of um, hit transmitting the anger into his coaching and creating rifts between players. Asari's quite a humble dude to be at Chelsea. It seems to be a happy camp. Everyone's developing well and playing for each other. So in comparison to last season... Um, no, can't happen. Uh, if if it something happens, it won't be a collapse due to similar um, uh, reasons and causes as last season. It just won't go down like that, man. Hey, Ron, what's going on, man? <laughs> Dropping all your questions here. <laughs> um, will Alonso finish with a higher goal assist total than Morata? Uh, maybe assist. Um, the combinations... Well, Morata would have to just straight up get dropped, man. Uh, no. I mean, I had to think about it, which is saying something, but I'm going to say no. Uh, which players do you think will skip travelling to the away legs in the Europa League group stages? Ryan, again, I think for the group stages, Sarri's going to keep um, keep true to a certain group of lads. Maybe. I mean, you don't really know. It's a new coach, new system, new competition, this, that and the other. So I think he'll probably... I reckon you might just take the big players with them, sit them on the bench, let them watch the kids or the B team, and then keep them as backup, depending on how well it goes at home and how pretty we're sitting in the group. But, um, yeah, I think... Uh, don't be surprised if the group travels together and watches each other. Um, <laughs> and the final question from Ryan. True or false, if you had been our striker for the first four games, would you have beaten or equaled the goal return we'd received from that position? Um, I tell you what, mate, get the odd few uh, tap-ins and five aside, but uh, after running for about 70 minutes, I'll probably be a cardiac arrest. So, um, you know, I like to keep in shape, but the answer is no. I couldn't score the individual goal that Morata did. Probably fall on my ass. Um, but then again, I could ask Hazard if I stand near the goal, I could get him to like kick the ball really hard at me in such a way it reflects off my body and then goes into the goal. If we get like a good chemistry like that, that could be like an interesting strike partnership. So yeah, man, I'm on for 20 goals a season. <laughs> All right. Um, 
my mate Andy Turner from Man City Fan TV. Can you do the quadruple? Yeah, mate, it's in the bag, I told him. Easy. Alright, so that's some questions done, guys. It's not a very long pod today because of the um, international break, no preview, and there's not hundreds of talking points, but I'm gonna wrap it up. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Just a reminder, there won't be a regular Yannick on Chelsea pod next week, although I'm considering doing a bonus one in the international break, just answering questions and talking about the Chelsea players on international duty. A little wind down, just thanks again for everyone who's given me kind messages about the pod. This is why I'm doing it, you know, I just want to talk to you guys about football, about Chelsea, and, you know, when you guys give me messages saying you're enjoying the podcast, it really means a lot. And I'm looking to expand my uh, audience, guys, I'm already very pleased with how many of you listen to my pod and how many regulars I've got as well, but I do always want to grow, so tell your friends you support Chelsea, and um, maybe share on social media when I post about my podcast, if you want to help your main man Yannick out. Uh, Also, it's really helpful if you give me a five-star rating on iTunes. And maybe write a nice little review. Apparently that helps you uh, get your podcast uh, heard. <laughs> That's what the word I was looking for. So, ladies and gents, up the fat in shells. Keep the blue flag flying high, carefree, wherever you may be, listener. And I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>